Amen, amen. All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, be turning to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And we're continuing our Seven Deadly Sins series. And just, just as a reminder, maybe this is your first time here. If that's the case, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, maybe it's your first, first time here in a few weeks. Let me just get you caught up to speed. The reason we're doing this series, the Seven Deadly Sins series, it's, it's, it's not like, oh, let's talk about sin, so hey, let's all go out and do a better job, not to envy, which is going to be what we talk about tonight. Like, oh, I'm going to learn about envy and not do it anymore and become a better person. That's not the purpose of the series. Um, the purpose of the series is so that we can kind of diagnose um, and understand ourselves and our sin. Um, last week we talked about pride, and I think it's helpful to know when you wake up in the morning and you find yourself resenting God, you don't want to really commune with God, be with God. It's Matthew 27, by the way, y'all. Sorry, it's a little bit low. Matthew 27. Um, when you find yourself com- in the morning not wanting to pray, not wanting to read your Bible, it's not that, oh, I'm just not a morning person. It's I'm a prideful person. And so just to understand that, and then hopefully drive us to our only hope, which is Christ. And in Christ, we actually find the ability to um, free ourselves from, from these sins or at least be more like Christ. That's, that's where hope is found. So Matthew 27, um, we're going to read. It says 17 and 18. I might back up a few verses actually. Um, to I'm going to back up to 15 just to let you know. So Matthew 27, verse, starting in verse 15, this is God's word. It says this, Now at the feast... The governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they they had gathered, um, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, the notorious prisoner, as we just found out, or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew, being Pilate, for Pilate knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Um, what we're going to do, to do tonight, guys, I, we're going to see from this, this example right here, we're going to see a, a, an example of envy that has gone unchecked for years. And from this example um, that we see here in this text, Hopefully you'll be able to draw out from it the, the, the you'll be able to understand envy a little bit better. Um, but if you don't, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the example of envy found here. Then we're going to talk about the description of envy. We're going to give a definition and, and, you know, draw it out so hopefully you understand it. We're then going to talk about the danger of envy. Envy leads to so much harm, destruction. And, and then we're going to talk about how to defeat or destroy envy. So that's the plan tonight. Um, but when we pick up in this text right here, we see that these Jewish leaders, we have a group of Jewish leaders, the, the, the religious like professionals, you know, these are the, the good guys back in the day. And we see that they have completely lost their mind. They've lost their mind. Because here we got Jesus, who Pilate has already said is innocent. He said, I find zero fault, no fault in him. Um, Luke, I think it's Luke, actually I have it written down. Luke 23 tells us that, that Pilate found him innocent, sent him to Herod, another guy, and, and Herod said he's innocent, and sent him back to Pilate. And Pilate's like, I find no fault in Jesus. And then we see this group of religious leaders. They don't care about justice. They have lost, they have gone absolutely insane. You know, Pilate tries to, you know, he's trying to enforce what's right. And what was right was to set Jesus free. 
So he comes up with this trick, like, okay, I got an idea. Like, because it's Passover time, there's a tradition that I can release a prisoner. So I'll bring out Barabbas, a known criminal, a notorious criminal, and say, who do you want, Barabbas or, or Jesus, who has done nothing wrong? And the religious leaders stir up the crowd and, and, and call for the blood of Jesus. And Pilate, a pagan governor, was able to identify, we see from this text, he knew it. What was the issue here? What was going on with these religious leaders? Why were they just insane? Why were they wanting Jesus killed? What led them to that? The greatest sin ever committed, crucifying the Son of God to a cross. What was the root issue here? Because Jesus has done nothing wrong. What was the root issue? He saw it. Envy. They were full of envy. You might wonder, how did we get to this place? How did this happen? You know, this is an example of envy going unchecked. You know, they, they are, they've lost their mind and they want Jesus dead because of envy. That's the root issue. Well, what happened? What got us to this place? There's a few snapshots given in the book of Matthew, I think, of how we got there. Y'all remember the Sermon on the Mount? It's found in Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. Great sermon uh, you could possibly read. It's given by Jesus, so of course it's, it's great. But, but it was an amazing sermon. And at the end of the sermon, you see at the very end, the last two verses in Matthew 7, you see that people are in awe. Because they, they're like, whoa, look at Jesus. He teaches with authority. Unlike the scribes, the religious leaders. Jesus is having great success. He teaches with authority and clarity and conviction and the crowds are drawn to him and they're saying, wow, he teaches with authority unlike these religious leaders. Jesus is having success and you can just feel the religious leaders when they hear that like, ooh, I'm sure I like that. And then you fast forward to Matthew, it's chapter 12 and verses 22 through 24. You see that Jesus heals a man who's demon oppressed. He heals him. Jesus shows he has power that, again, the religious leaders do not have. And the religious leaders, when they see this, instead of celebrating their response, because they, instead they're eaten up by it, and they say, Jesus, oh, I'll tell you how he's casting out demons. He's demonic. He's from Satan. I mean, how twisted and crazy is that? I mean, these men are completely blinded to who Jesus is. I mean, they've studied their Bibles for years. They know the Old Testament prophecies. And they don't even recognize because they are so overtaken by envy that the person they're accusing to be demonic is fulfilling the, all the Old Testament prophecies. He is the Christ they've been waiting for. John 11, we, y'all remember that, how Jesus raises Lazarus? We're studying that right now on Sundays. You know how that's going to end? Not only the Pharisees going to want to kill Jesus, they're going to want to kill Lazarus because he's a testament to, to the power of Jesus. He only helps his fame, and it drives them crazy. And then look at this. When Jesus is hanging on a, cro- on a cross, look at uh, Matthew 27, but look at verses 41 and 42. Jesus hanging there, a bloody mess. Nails driven through his hands and feet. He's in agony. I mean, this is a human, on their mind, a human who's in great suffering. What's the response? Any compassion? Any, ooh, that looks like that might be terrible. No, no. Verse 41 says, the, the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. 
He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. So when Jesus is at his worst, the lowest, you see them just loving every minute of it. See, that's an example of envy. Let's talk about the description of envy. Envy is the exact opposite of what Romans 12.15 says. Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Envy is that in reverse. Envy rejoices at those who weep and weeps at those who rejoice. Or to say it another way, a guy named Joe Rigney says this, Envy cries, out, cries over others' wealth. Envy cheers when another stumbles. Envy weeps at those who rejoice and rejoices over those who weep. Uh, an old, it's an old fable that, that goes like this to describe envy. There's this guy who had a neighbor. <laughs> and this neighbor lives really close to him, but he has a, they, they're in the same business, but the other guy, they're both blacksmiths, but the other guy is a better blacksmith, just by a little bit. But he's better, he has a better business. He has a better family, a more beautiful wife, better looking kids, more athletic kids, more behaved kids. And, and, and it's just like, this guy has success. He just outdoes his neighbor just by a little bit. And an angel comes to this, this guy, this neighbor, and, and he, says, he says, okay, uh, here's the deal. I'll give you whatever you ask, whatever you ask, but here's the, here's the catch. That guy over there who just outdoes you by a little bit, he gets double. So whatever you want, that's great, I'll give it to you, but the other guy, he gets double. And because he's so eaten up by this other guy, he says, got it, I'll take a black eye. Wait for it? No, okay. See, that's what envy is. Eaten up by envy. You see, envy, the way it starts, it starts with another person's success. Maybe it's a friend. Follow me here. A friend or a classmate or a relative or a brother, a sister, whatever. They start having success. Envy rides on the heels of success. An author said this. He says, envy follows success like night follows day. So what happens is all of a sudden somebody starts having success that's around you. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. They're having success in something that you want to have success in. They're getting attention, praise, something. By that success, it's leading to maybe attention, praise, fame, something. But, but they're having success in what you long to have success in. They're getting results that you long to have results in. And all of a sudden, you desire that. And all of a sudden, what happens is you, de- you start to resent that person. I mean, think about it. the Jewish leaders. They wanted to teach like Jesus taught. They wanted to have the crowds that Jesus had. They wanted to have the fame of Jesus. They wanted to have the power of Jesus, the success of Jesus. And they didn't. And all of a sudden, what happens? Resentment creeps in. They start to resent this carpenter from Nazareth. Let me ask you this. What do you desire? Which, what, what, what are your desires right now? What are you striving to succeed in? When I was your age, I mean, the, the sporting world, that sports was, was I say it's my life. Uh, I wasn't good enough for, in it to be my life. So, but sports, I was, I was all about wanting to get on that football field and, and play and catch and catch a ball and, and score a touchdown and get fame and popularity. And maybe girls might actually not recognize me. Hey, that'd be awesome. And so I, would, I, I, didn't, I didn't cry too much in high school, I promise. Um, <laughs> 
And so, but I remember, I, like, the, but there was always that one guy, and I know this guy, that one guy who just does it a little bit better. And so I find myself, as he's taking my playing time and taking my receptions and my touchdowns, I find myself on the sideline, not pulling for my teammate, but boy, I'm like, every time I saw a drop pass, I'm like, yes. Oh, you know, you got, you got to hold that in, though. He catches a pass, and you're like, oh, I hate that. I just dropped the, dropped the ball. <laughs> or maybe it's school, and you're, you're into your grades, and there's that person, you're like, can you just make a C once? Just once. Just once. Or the person that you, <laughs> you have this crush on the guy or the girl, and all of a sudden in comes this guy or girl and takes that, that person and they have success where you're longing to have success and what creeps in I hate that person or the girl or guy who is just a little better looking and you're just like oh you know you're maybe you're friends with them and you go out in a public group or your group together it's a guy girl group and all the guys are noticing your friend but not you I hate that girl can she just have a, like a, I don't know. Can something just happen to her? Just nothing serious. Some sort of small deformity would be great. And all of a sudden you find yourself comparing yourself to that person's success. And you find resentment creeping in. And, oh, and by the way, social media, does that not just fan that flame a little bit? You get on social media, do you not feel that, that, that inside you, almost like your, your insides are just, churning when you see a picture of the girl that of course is posting why of course you're going to be why why the swimsuit picture oh and then you might type in like body goals but you're like i hate you <laughs> or you see that the, they're going out in public and 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 you didn't get invited to something and there they are like they're there's the friend group that you want to be in you're like ah you just feel the resentment creeping in and all social social media is doing is like yes like i that feeling you get that resentment you feel that churning on the inside, it's, it's, it's envy. You start pulling. You know, all of a sudden you start finding yourself pulling for bad things to happen to them. And you get excited when something bad happens. And all of a sudden when something good happens, it's like a dagger. Like somebody gives them a compliment. You're like, I hate that. You know, for me, let me just be honest. I, I, the, the, this, you know, it's always in your neighborhood, it seems like, or, or with your colleagues or the people around you. Like, I don't get jealous of John Piper. I just don't. Like, he's awesome. But our staff, in staff meetings, my peers, oh, yeah, I got to be on guard. You know, I hear they preach a sermon that was awesome, or they have an event that's awesome, or they have a, something, and, and Dr. Young's like, way to go. And I'm like, yeah, isn't it great that Jesus is being glorified and people are coming to Christ, but why am I so angry about that? Oh, that's right. Envy. Who do you envy? Who do you? Uh, don't, why are y'all looking at each other like oh, that's you? <laughs> who do you envy? Who who makes you just like squirm on the inside? You're hoping for them to fail. You kind of get upset when they do well. And by the way, guys, let's let's just, let's just let's just call this what this is. Listen to me. A lot of people like like will say, oh. I'm just competitive. Or we just have a rivalry. Or we try to blame, we do a blame shift like, oh, they're just so arrogant. It's their fault. Stop it. It's sin. 
We can laugh. We can joke. But it's sin. It's not competitiveness. It's not a rivalry. It's not their fault. It's our sin. It's envy, if you want to be specific. Let's talk about the dangers of envy. Proverbs 14, verse 30, that's Proverbs 13, verse 40, says that envy makes the bones rot. Literally, guys, listen to me. Envy will eat your soul up. It will eat you alive. It starts with comparison. Then all of a sudden you find yourself resenting the person, and then it leads to things like gossip, slander, of course you're slandering the person. You resent them. Slander, maybe even flattery like to their face, like, you're so great. And it's like deep down, you're like, I hate you. Flattery, lies, criticism, malice, plots. Like, how can I bring this guy down? Yes, listen to me. It leads to hate, obsessions, and absolute insanity. And if you don't believe me, these Jewish leaders murder the Son of God, because they have been eaten alive by envy. You see, envy clouds my vision. It clouds my vision. All of a sudden now, I find myself assigning the worst possible motives to that person that I'm envious of. Oh, he did that because he's so blah. Like, I, whatever he does, I assign the worst possible motives. I try to slice into the reputation a little bit. I find myself never giving that person the benefit of the doubt. I hate their achievements. I minimize the good things that they do. I, it, it just eats me alive and it destroys our souls. To, to, to kind of put a nail in how serious envy is, the Galatians 5 verses 19 through 21 says this, Now the works of the flesh... The works of the flesh. This is the opposite of the works of the Spirit. This is the works of the flesh, the part of us that opposes God. It says are this, they're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, origin, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's just envy, Right? It's a work of the flesh. It opposes God. It's hatred. It's, and God, God opposes, God hates sin and hates envy. And yes, envy. Punishable by hell. Not only that, guys, but envy destroys our life together. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Now, this is known as the love chapter, but you need to know the context. 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about the body of Christ, life together, how we're all a body and how the body should work. And then we get to... Um, Chapter 13, talking about how we should love each other. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. If you want to tear apart this, this life together, if you want to rip it apart, envy comes in. Because where there is envy, there is no love. And where there is no love, there is no community. I've seen time and time again. Now, let me be honest with you. Yes, I've seen envy at work in my own life, but I'm much better at finding other people's sin more than I. Like, I can see your sin a lot better than I can see my sin because I'm sinful. But I have seen time and time again envy rip apart a staff of a church, rip apart a community, because you see people are just eaten alive by this thing, and they can't even see things clearly anymore. They become obsessed at bringing the other person down. 
Envy is not just a small thing, guys. It leads to all kinds of sins of the tongue, gossip, slander, flattery. It rips apart communities. And yes, it's a work of the flesh. And so how do we destroy envy? Um, you can flip with me here. I, I, here's, here here's, a, here's a quick answer. John 21 I'm not going to go back to Matthew. So if you want to flip to John 21, or you can listen to me read. John 21, verses uh, 18 through 22. This is what we're going to read. And here's the little context. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's back. He's, he's, he's meeting with Peter. They're having breakfast. And he's, and he's talking, you know, he's, he's um, Peter had denied Jesus three times. So Jesus is asking Peter three times, do you love me? And then after that conversation, we get this. In verse 19, says, or 18, says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, Peter. When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said, this he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, follow, follow me. So let's just, let's just break this down. Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, hey Peter, you, know how, you want to know how this is going to end for you? <laughs> You're going to be killed. You're going to be crucified. Well, thanks, Jesus, for the wonderful breakfast conversation. That, that was uplifting. Look at Peter's response. Peter turned to the disciple, um, pretty much Peter turned to the disciple um, whom Jesus loved. Um, that was John, uh, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? That's John he's talking about. So Peter turns to John and says this. When he saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Follow this, guys. So Peter is told he's going to be killed. And so what's Peter's response? I, like, I don't know how much envy was between John and Peter, but I can tell you this. This was a response of envy. Remember the disciples used to argue who was the greatest. And so maybe Peter's sitting there thinking, well, John, oh, that guy always says that he's the disciple that Jesus loved. I don't really like him. I'll, I'm probably reading too much into it. But this is an, a response of envy. He turns to, to John. He says, Jesus, what about him? I'm going to die. So, so what about him? I want to I compare this situation. I want to make sure that... that, that, that this is going to happen to him too. You can see a little envy there. And you want to know what Jesus' response was? That's none of your business. Follow me. Listen to me, guys. If you want to cut envy off at the head, stop comparing. Stop looking at other people and turn your eyes on Jesus. Um, when I, it was a little while back. I'm almost finished. When I was a little while back, I went on a college uh, spring break trip with my friends um, we were um, out snorkeling. True story, I don't swim well. Y'all don't, maybe y'all know that, maybe y'all don't. I don't swim well. So I got my, my little flippers on, my snorkel, and I'm, I'm in there swimming. But here's the problem, I can't keep up. I just can't. I'm slow at swimming. So, so my other friends, they're, 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 they're swimming around, and they're looking at all the fish. And, and me, I'm in the back, and I'm freaked out because I'm like, I'm going to lose them, and I'm going to die out here. Like, I'm not, I, don't, I mean, i got to follow them back. I'm not directionally savvy. Y'all know that. And so, so I find myself, I'm swimming, with my, I'm swimming my little heart out. And I'm telling you, my eyes, 
I mean, my forehead, I mean, I promise you, my forehead got singed because my head is out of the water because all I'm doing is looking forward, not down, trying to, my eyes are on them because I'm following them with all my heart, trying to keep up. I don't notice anything else around me because I'm so focused on who's the, who I'm following. I get the top of my head burnt. Awesome. Like, that looked cool for the rest of the week. Like, hey, I'm the guy with the, the forehead burn, you know? <laughs> the guys, my point is this. When Jesus says, follow me, he says, turn your eyes and you're focused on me alone. When you're following Jesus, you're not noticing what's going on around you. You know, and so, so hey, that guy, what about this person and this person? Jesus says, that's none of your concern. I'm Lord. I'm creator. I, I mean, I'm in control of this. That's none of your business. That's not for you to worry about. Follow me. You see, if you want to get to the core of envy, you ready for it? It's a lack of belief. What envy says, envy says this, God, you're not enough for me. I don't believe you're enough for me because because what I want is God, you plus this, what this other person has, the looks, the grades, the success, the fame. God, you alone are not enough. That's at the root of envy. Or the other option is, God, why are you not fair to me? Like, look at this person, what you've given them. What about me? But when we we turn our eyes and focus on Jesus, and specifically the cross, listen to me. When you focus on the cross, it slays envy. How? Because on the cross, I am convinced, convinced, that God has been more than kind and generous with me as His Son is bleeding out on the cross. When I focus on the cross, I realize, Jesus, you are enough for me. I might not have the looks that I desire, the athleticism I desire, the grades I desire, but in you and on that cross, I find my identity, being a child of God. I find acceptance. I find purpose. I find fulfillment, joy, satisfaction. Look at me. Why would we envy when we have Jesus? When is Jesus ever going to be enough for us? When is he going to be enough for us? When my eyes are fixed on Jesus and I believe, envy melts away. So when you find that resentment creeping in your heart, turn your attention back to the cross. When you find that anger setting in, turn your attention back on the cross. And I find freedom from envy there. So let's close this way. I want you all to have a moment to confess. If you're, We're all guilty of envy. Confess unbelief to God because at the core of it, we don't believe either God's enough or that He's fair. Confess those things. And then here's the big challenge. Because look, if we're going to do life together well, this is what's got to have to happen. Maybe envy has eaten you alive for years. And you're envious towards somebody else in this very room. The challenge is, if you're really repenting and wanting to turn away from that, is to go and confess that to the person. And if you're on the receiving end of that, the response is, well, I can see why you'd be envious. <laughs> I mean, ha-ha. 
the response, of course, is, all right, hold up. Have I been arrogant? Have I, what's, you know, what's, what's leading you, what's causing this? That's life together. Don't take envy lightly. It will consume you, eat you alive. So take a moment, reflect, pray, repent, whatever you need to do right now, and then I'll close this in prayer. Father, we thank You for what we have seen from the cross. Um, There You have shown us Your love for us. You have shown us grace and mercy. You have given us an identity that we are Your children. We get to be called sons of God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We get a new identity. We get a new purpose to live for You. We We get so much from the cross that we can never fully comprehend. And so, Father, I pray that that, that the, the cross and the message of the cross would sink, sink deep into our hearts right now. Because, Father, we need to be convinced, convinced that you're enough for us and the cross is enough for us. We need to be convinced that you have been more than generous for, for, towards us as you sacrificed your only son for us. We need to be convinced of those things and we don't have the ability to. So will you open our eyes to those truths? Father, I pray that, that, that you would root out envy in this room. And we, we are guilty. We're all guilty. But Father, would you help us to fix our gaze, fix our eyes on your son. And as we turn and, 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 and repent, hopefully, of envy, would you again just, would you create reconciliation in this room? Would you create a room of where we are able to love each other well? We, can, we can't do this on the, our own. We need you. We need your spirit. So we're asking, asking for it. In Jesus' name, amen.